1: Good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you're here this morning at Victor Christian Fellowship. We're just excited about Jesus and the things that he's doing. So, Father, we give you thanks and praise for your goodness and your grace this morning. Lord, you are an awesome God, and you give amazing grace, and we just want to honor you, bless you, and praise you today. We just welcome your presence in this place and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's
2: stand together this morning. Are you ready to worship, God? you in this house today. We thank you for the tangible presence of God that's here with us today. Our defender, our protector, the one who removes sin, the one who removes scars, the one who is love, the one that pours into us all. of it all, from you are
3: all things, to you are all
2: things, and you deserve the glory.
1: else like our God, and we get to know him, we can talk with him, Hallelujah. hallelujah, we can talk with the one who's unlike any other, Lord, we bless you today, we lift up the name of Jesus in this place, oh we thank you that we have a loving father, we thank you Lord that you gave us your Holy Spirit, and he's here with us Lord, we bless the name of Jesus, Oh, we bless you, Father God. We lift up your glorious and wonderful name, the name that is exalted above every other name. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your faithfulness. Thank you for your kindness and your forgiveness.
2: Thank you for your compassion.
1: Thank you for dying on the cross, living a perfect life and rising from the dead. Oh glory, glory to, glory to God, glory to God,
2: glory to God.
1: Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you and we welcome you here. Thank you for speaking to
2: us. <laughs>
1: For I am your light and your life, says the Lord. In me and me alone you stand complete. For in me you live and move and have your being. For I have given life to you and I have called you to a new life. A deeper life and an eternal life so live the life that i've called you to hallelujah thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord amen well you may have your seats thank you signature worship team we are so glad that you're here and if you're visiting with us we say welcome and if you're watching us online at any time either now or live thank you for watching. Glory to God. You're in a good place today. And we have an incredible God who does great things. He makes the ordinary extraordinary. He puts the extra in your ordinary. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, one of the things we like to do here at VCF is to speak the word, and we emphasize a subject every quarter. We want to invite you to join us as we make our confession uh, based on the Word of God. Let's make our confession. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. God the Father selected us as His own before the foundation of the world. He desires for us to be holy, consecrated, set apart for Him, and blameless in His sight.
3: The Lord revealed to us the mystery of His will
1: according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. In Christ we have received an inheritance,
2: having been chosen according to his divine
1: purpose, who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his will. When we heard the true
2: gospel, the good news of our salvation, and believed in Jesus, we were sealed with God's Holy Spirit and protected by him.
1: God made us alive together with Christ. By his grace, we are saved from God's judgment.
0: At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our
1: walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God. To build a strong body of believers and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We
2: activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and
3: experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you here today. You are beautiful and handsome. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together. Amen. Today... Pastor Doug leaves for his India trip. We praise the Lord that he's willing to go, he's prepared to go, and his expenses have been paid for. So we are grateful that we together we are all going to India with him. He's just doing the legwork. <laughs> Hey, he's talking about school, he's going to be teaching several classes at Bible colleges in India. He gets to preach in his bare feet. So, like, we're going back to school. What do you think about that? <laughs> pretty, you can think about that while you're in school. Pastor Doug's the teacher in his bare feet. You know, that, I think that's pretty awesome. That's called freedom. <laughs> okay, the Commission Club is a way that we raise funds and gather funds for all of us to participate in mission trips. So our goal always is to have the funds before the trips are planned. So keep on blessing our Commission Club Mission Trip Travel Fund. That's that's what we call it, Commission Club. And then a reminder that in November, it's called a VCF Crusade in the country of Liberia. That Pastor Doug and Gabe your son, right? And Steve Hoffman who's been here several times. They're going to go there and it's a it's called a crusade because it involves food and pastors and training and that and that kind of element. So that's exciting. That's a new country that we haven't been to. So we're going to plan our feet and and the seed of God's word in that country. We are changing the world right here from VCF. We are. Yes. And then our uh, VCF signature worship team is going to the city of Lebanon, just down the road, <laughs> this Friday, September 1st, to minister at Dr. Ben Lim's um, What do they call it? Awaken the Harvest. So this is the fourth time that Dr. Ben Lim's been in the area. So Awaken the Harvest is is his message. He was here in the house. We hosted that conference or whatever they call it the last time he's here. This time another church in Lebanon, Life Center, Lebanon. Life Center, Lebanon. And our team will be there Friday evening. So if you want to check that out, it starts at 6 p.m. this Friday. And and I said September 1st. That means August is done. (laughs) That's this week. So you can check that out. And then um, our book club for women is starting September 17th. This fall, we're doing the third Sunday. So ladies, just make a mental note, the third Sunday after service. If you're inviting someone that's not in the church here and doesn't know when service ends, we um, have the target of 1230 as a start time. So 1230 to 2, we're doing, going to be uh, t- discussing Dr. Fiona's new book, Removing Blind Spots for a limitless life. So come, let's be limitless, ladies. Yes. And that's all I have here before me. So God bless you.
1: Amen. Well, I'm going into the future. I'll be nine and a half hours ahead in time. And... uh Altogether, going there and back, I'll be on a plane about 41 hours, and I'll be, huh? yeah, I'll be working, um, getting the opportunity to train people like I was trained in a Bible school, and, uh, you know, I will never forget what was put into me. Uh I graduated Bible school in '92, and um, we recently uh, got to see the founder, uh, founders of Rama, uh, Kenneth and uh, Lynette Hagen, and uh, they were up at a meeting in Spring Mills, and uh, there was a, uh, some other um, uh, Rhema people there as well, and it was just a wonderful time. Plus, we, we got to see Gabe. You know, Gabe was the main part; the rest was a bonus. <laughs> but uh, you know, God is good, and. Um, REMA currently has uh, 290 schools in 56 nations, and uh, they've graduated over 110,000 people worldwide, and if all the schools are in session at one time, they would have like 22,000 students in session all over the world, but not all the schools uh, meet at the same time, and uh, where I'm going, uh, they get a two-year course in six months. So they do two full courses a week. So they do 42 modules in, I think it's like 21 weeks or whatever like that, something like that. So it's intense. And uh, I have to teach through an interpreter. So it's it's a good thing, though. But um, the one place where I went, um, they didn't wear shoes in the sanctuary. So I looked, no one was wearing shoes, so I didn't either. <laughs> It was kind of freeing, actually. (laughs) Felt good. But uh, I just want to thank everyone who participated in sending me because uh, your seed is going on good ground and it's going to produce for the kingdom. And I just want to read this scripture to you from the uh, gospel of Mark chapter 4 before we dismiss the children. In uh, Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 20, and... um, Jesus was talking about different types of ground. And uh, in verse Mark 4, uh, 20, he said, and I'm reading from the Amplified, he said, And those in the last group, you want to be in the last group because the first shall be last. Amen? That was a good opportunity to say amen. <laughs> and those in the last group are the ones on whom seed was sown. Say seed was sown. You know, in order for seed to grow, there has to be an exchange. Seed has to go from one place, and it has to go into something else, right? Into ground. And he was describing people's hearts. So these are the ones on whom seed was sown on good soil. See, VCF is good soil. Why? It produces change in people's lives. It gets people a, a citizenship in heaven. It it helps people get into the family of God. Amen? Amen. Plus healing and joy and all those other good stuff. All right? So it was sown on good soil, and they that hear the word, this is the good soil, they hear the word of God, the good news regarding the way of salvation, and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 times as much as was sown. How many want 30, 60, or 100 times? Right? In order to do that, you got to sow something. Amen. So here at VCF, we don't pass a container, uh, but we do have two containers, one by the bookstore and one as you came in. Those are our seed planters. That's where you can sow your seed, your tithes and your offerings and uh, whatever you want. And if you're watching online, you can do it through our website as well. So Father, I give you thanks and praise that you are a good God. And you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that you provide for us, you prosper us, and you protect us. And I bless every gift and and every giver in the name of Jesus. Lord, the blessing, the empowerment of of the Lord God on high is on them to prosper and to increase. And I give you thanks for your goodness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we got some kids in here. Love our kids. Our kids are handsome and beautiful, right? Glory to God. We have a good group of kids, good group of volunteers. So kids, have a great class. We like to cheer as we send the kids out to let them know that church is exciting. Hallelujah. I'm glad that church is exciting. Anything that's alive should be exciting. If church isn't exciting, then maybe it's dead or it's the frozen chosen one. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, the Lord uh, laid something awesome on my heart today. It's a very uh, small principle, but it's an extremely powerful principle to help you in your life. And um, everybody say, do the right thing. thing. I want to talk to you today about doing the right thing. All right? And, uh, you know, in order to do what's right, I I put in a crazy world. Do you think we're living in a crazy world, right? There's some crazy things happening uh, in our day. But in the midst of craziness, we can still do what's right right did you know that you can do as, you can do right or wrong equally yeah. you you there are equal opportunities yeah. in any situation that you face you could do wrong or you could do right and guess what you have the choice yeah. amen so in order to do what's right in a crazy world you've got to know what's right right you know because if you don't know what's right then you can't implement what's right So there is only one person, God. And there's only one standard, the Bible, that can define what's right. No other source can adequately or effectively define what's right. God is righteous. That's part of his nature. That's part of his character. And his word is the constitution of righteousness. Right? It describes how we should treat people right. How we should have right attitudes, right? You're going to hear right a lot. But don't worry, if you're left-handed, you won't be left out. <laughs> Even though today we're leaning to the right, <laughs> what's right? Um, there is a right and wrong. There is truth and there are lies there is morality there is immorality there is light there is darkness there is evil and there is good and there's not too many gray there's no gray areas so we have to look at things from God's perspective not our perspective I want you to turn with me in the Old Testament to 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to begin there. You know, God's perspective, God can let you know what's right and what's not right. And uh, notice in 2 Kings chapter 18, and uh, we'll we'll start with verse 1, 2 Kings 18 and verse 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, the son of uh, Elah, the king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was uh, Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. Now notice this phrase in verse 3. He did that which was right in his own sight. No? He did that which was right according to how he felt. Okay? Uh, he did right according to his counselors. Ah, what does it say? It says, he did right, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. Now, there were three kings that were distinguished above all the other kings, Hezekiah, Asa, and Josiah. Now, there were other righteous kings, but those three kings, they said they followed after their father, David. David was like a whole nother level of righteousness. Some of the righteous kings, they were righteous according to their natural father, but, when they, but David was the representative of the righteous line. He, his, he had a, a heart that feared God, right? He had a heart after God, and so when you're super righteous... You're named after the lineage of David. Amen? Hallelujah. But he did what was right according to the Lord's sight. What does the Lord look at when he thinks about what's right? He looks at truth, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. He looks at holiness, right? He looks at purity, so when, when we're doing things right, how would God look at this situation? How would God view this situation? Remember back uh, a few years ago it was popular, WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? That just helps us to get his perspective on our situation, right? We don't, we don't be good or bad depending on the situation. We, we are good based on a standard that's been established. Amen? Amen? God established the standard, and Hezekiah, when he became king, you know, a king has influence. A king can make rules, and when a king makes a rule, it affects the nation, right? When a king is a fool, the people have to put up with the mess. No comment on that. I have thoughts running through my mind. But, you know, the Bible says when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. So when a ruler makes good rules that help the people, people get excited, people... But when a ruler makes stupid rules and implements stupid policies, we have to bear the burden of that. Right? So kings especially have to do what's right in God's sight. And guess what? We are all kings and priests. Say, I'm a king and a priest. Yeah, Revelation tells us that we are kings and priests according to God. We have the authority and we have the connection with God. Amen? So, let's read on here, okay? This is just kind of like uh, an eagle-eyed view of what he did that was right, okay? Verse 4, he removed the high places, Those were places where people worshipped idols. Ask yourself this question. Do I have any idols in my life? Well, what's an idol? Something that has a greater priority and greater time and a greater investment than God. If it it would take the place of God, it's an idol. Like if, if if God had... Uh, something to do and, and this thing that you love so much that had something to do and there was a conflict and you go with this thing, then that thing's an idol. Ooh, you're stepping on my toes. That's okay. We got steel toe boots. Okay. So he removed the high places. He broke the sacred pillars. Listen, you've got to break your connection with worshiping something that's not God. you got to break things that God's not involved in. Uh, Now, I'm not saying don't enjoy life. God wants you to have an abundant, full, uh, wonderful life. But keep God's things, God's things, and your things, your things, and don't don't, uh, compromise the two. That means sometimes when you're faced with a choice, God's things are your thing. Oh, hmm, what am I going to do? do what's right in his sight. Do what's right in his sight. Okay? All right? He he uh he cut down the wooden images. He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made for until those days the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it uh Nehushtan. They were worshiping the serpent on the pole. God never meant for that to be worshipped. He meant for that to be delivered from the serpent's bites. And it was a point, it was a, a, a picture that pointed to Christ. And these people were worshipping it, so he broke it in pieces. Listen, you've got, you got to cut idolatry. Mm. Don't show idolatry mercy. God's a jealous God. Right? He doesn't want to have anything before him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. When you put God first, he'll take care of you. He'll take good care of you. He will bless you. God's things have to come first. They have to be the highest priority in our life. All right? Verse 5. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor who were before him. Everybody say he trusted. Yeah. See, if you want to do what's right, you got to trust. Do you trust God enough to know that what he says is right? Yeah. And do you trust God enough to do what's right, even when you don't feel like it? Because we're all going to be tempted not to do what's right. Oh, You can go ahead and do this. They won't see you, but he will. People may not see you, but he will. People may not hear you, but he will. People may not know it, but he will. Because nothing gets past him. Okay? So our righteous standard is in his sight, not our sight. Not the sight of the world. Did you know that the world system is run by Satan? Currently, Adam, when he sinned, the original sin, he allowed Satan to operate and to function in this earth. And this this world that we live in currently is run by Satan. He is called, the Bible calls him the God of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. Okay? Why do bad things happen in this world? Because Satan is, is running this world system. A liar and a thief and a destroyer. That's why bad things happen, because sin was introduced in the world. But Jesus came along, and he overcame sin. He defeated sin, and he is the cure for sin. And when you get Jesus, you get free from sin. You get free from its grip. You're cured. I've been cured. I've been inoculated with Jesus. Okay? All right, verse 6. For he held fast to the Lord. Everybody say, hold fast. That means he was committed. He wasn't going to let go. He wasn't going to trade it in. He held fast to the Lord. Now, I heard the leader of the PA Family Association. I was at a luncheon a few years ago in Harrisburg. And uh, Michael Greer, I think is his name. And uh, he was explaining that when a congressman or someone gets into an elected position okay for the first time they have immense pressure that people come on them to get them to do wrong so that they can influence them and control them so when when they get into office they have immense pressure in uh worldly things that that comes against them and you you got to be strong on the inside and many of them probably are not necessarily. But you know what? we got to decide today that we're going to do what's right in God's sight no matter what. You know, doing right in God's sight has nothing to do with how you feel. It has nothing to do with the opinions of others, but it has something to do with you, what, what you know what the Word says. This is my standard. This is what I'm going to live by. This is going to govern my thoughts. This is going to govern my responses, the Word of God. Is there any other better standard in the world today than the Word of God? I mean, just its longevity. Hallelujah. Okay? So he held fast to the Lord, verse 6. He did not depart from following Him. That must mean that he had opportunities to depart from God. You know, if you're driving on a highway, you have opportunities to get off that road. Right? They're called exit ramps. Right? Right? And sometimes you take the wrong exit. I've been guilty of taking the wrong exit too many times to count. Thank God for U-turns and repentance, amen. Hallelujah. Okay? He did not depart from following Him, but kept His commandments. Everybody say, He kept His commandments. You know, the kings were instructed to have the Word of God next to their throne so that they could read it. And there were, there were kings who actually, read, they, they resurrected worship. They resurrected the relationship with God. They resurrected the authority of the word. And they would actually read to the people the word out loud. When Nehemiah, when he rebuilt the wall, and the wall was done in 52 days, and they had a celebration, they stood and read the word for four hours from the morning till noontime. Boy, I don't want to be in that church service. All they did was read the Word. The Word of God is it. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God created these worlds. So, yes, let's celebrate the Word. Reading of the Word is good. It's giving life to your soul. It's soul food. It, It reveals God to us. This is the primary way how God reveals himself to us. Okay? All right? And uh, verse 7, the Lord was with him. God hangs out with people who appreciate his word, who do what his word says. Amen? God hangs out with the obedient. He celebrates the obedient. He fellowships with the obedient. God was with him. When God is with you, you can't fail. When God is with you, you can't lose. Amen? Yeah. For the Lord was with him, verse 7, he prospered wherever he went. Oh, can someone say, say amen? Yeah. When you do what's right in God's sight and you're committed to doing right no matter what, the Lord's going to be with you and you're going to prosper wherever you go. Yeah. God's, God's will for us, 1 John uh, 3, or no, 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health as as your soul prospers. God wants you to prosper. Amen? Okay. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Ooh, sometimes when you're going to do what's right in God's sight, you've got to break some relationships that you had. He he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and there's a whole thing uh, going on from this chapter about Sennacherib and how he was going to invade Jerusalem, and he he mocked God, and uh, Hezekiah went to the prophet Isaiah, and he got God's word on the matter. How many know that when you do what's right in God's sight, you will have challenges, but those challenges won't amount to anything? Just because you do right doesn't mean that you're free from attack. As a matter of fact, you become a target for the enemy when you do what's right in God's sight. Because he doesn't want you to succeed in doing right. He'll try to stop it. But when the devil attacks, you keep doing right, God will deliver you and God will whoop his little behind. Like he already did. Amen? Amen? So, and the same is said about Asa and Josiah. I'm not going to read those things. But um, God wants us to uh, do what's right in his sight. Okay? That means we get his perspective. All right? Now, there are those people that want to do their own thing. Did you know that God... is? God will allow you to do your will. He'll allow you to do your own thing. Look at Proverbs 16.25 for just a minute. Proverbs 16.25. If you don't want to do what's right in God's sight, then whose standard are you living by? Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. You know how many times feelings change in a day? If you're following your feelings... Man, that's a wild ride. That'll make your head spin. How about if you're seeking to please people? And you want to just do what everybody tells you to do because you want to please people. That'll get you into a heap of trouble. Because what is the person that you're listening to? What if they're not right? 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 You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, blind leaders lead the blind. He said, you're both going to fall into a ditch. How did I get into this ditch? You were following blind people. (laughs) Oh, Jesus said that. All right, Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that... Seems right to a man. I want you to notice there's no consultation with God, there's no looking to God, there's no standard, but it seems right to a man. But in the end, but its end is the way of death. Everybody say death. There's one author of life, his name is Jesus. He's not the author of death, right? So when you follow Jesus, he'll lead you to life, not death. Okay. Go to Proverbs 21, verse 2. This is just the other side of the coin. I'm giving you a glimpse of the tails. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because we're the head, not the tail. So we're on the other side of the coin. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, Proverbs 21, verse 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Oh. See... (laughs) We can act like we're doing right, but God knows the inside scoop. You know, when God wanted a king, uh, the people actually wanted a king, right? We want to be like other nations. We want to be like everybody else. Do you remember uh, if you grew up in a home like I did and uh, you wanted to go somewhere? And your parents didn't let you go, and you were complaining, well, well, so-and-so's going, and, and they're going. And they said, if they're going to jump off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? How many ever got that advice growing up, right? Yeah. See, the Lord weighs the hearts. So even if we act like, anyway, uh, so Israel wanted to be, they wanted a king, right? God wanted to be their king. It wasn't God's will for Israel to have a king, but they they cried and they complained, and you know God's just like any other parent. When you complain enough, you'll give in, sometimes, right? I've given in sometimes, just to stop the complaining. <laughs> so uh, they were looking for a king, and. Uh, You know, the Bible says God looks to the heart, not to the outward appearance. He wasn't looking to the one that had the biggest muscles or the strongest person. He was looking to the heart of who had a heart after God. And that's when he found the second King David, right? Remember, Jesse was sent to, I mean, uh, Samuel was sent to Jesse's house. Jesse had eight sons. He said, I'm going to have dinner with you. He brought seven sons in and left the eighth son out. Right, and and Samuel's going down, you know he sees these he sees his brothers, you know big, muscular, tall, strong, handsome. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, don't you have any other sons? Oh, yeah, there's someone else out with the sheep. My question is, why wasn't even David invited to the dinner? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. So David comes in. The Lord says, "That's it, that's him. Why? He had a heart. He had a heart. See, God looks to, doing right in God's sight has to come from your heart. All right? Okay? So, uh, some people's actions may be praised, but they may be hypocritical because they have the wrong motive for what they're doing. Did you know that the Pharisees did things publicly because they wanted the public praise? They didn't care if they were pleasing God. They just wanted the the people's praise. You know, sometimes you can do things just to get people's praise, but you're pleasing the wrong person, right? Okay. So uh, go with me to Joshua chapter one, Joshua chapter one. Did you know that doing the word of God is a key to success? Joshua, he had taken over for Moses. You know, uh, I mean, the Bible is just incredible. Moses died, right? And they mourned his death and and everything. And uh, God speaks to Joshua. He said, Moses is dead. Now get up. (laughs) You know, look, it's time to move on. All right. And and now Joshua is the leader of the nation. He served Moses faithfully. He he had a heart after God, right? And notice what God tells him. We know this scripture. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Notice the instructions that he's given. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. That means you've got to have a strong relationship with the word of God. The book of the law at that time was, I mean, Joshua didn't have a Bible like we do. He didn't have all the prophets' writings. All they had was what Moses wrote. That was it. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You're meditating in God's word day and night. it, it, It helps you to get God's perspective. It helps you to understand God's ways. It helps you to know what God thinks, to know what God likes and what he doesn't like. Did you know that there are some things that that God gets ticked off about? Proverbs 6 says there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven, I like to say it this way, really tick him off, right? A lying tongue. Those that sow discord, uh, false witness, uh, feet that are swift to run to evil. There's uh, seven things that are listed in Proverbs six that he hates. See, there are things that God hates. So guess what? If God hates something and you're doing it, guess what? He's not going to like you doing it. He's not going to bless you doing. It. God doesn't bless things that he hates. God will not bless things that he hates. And if you're doing something that God hates and expecting him to bless you, you're never going to get the blessing until you stop doing what he hates and start doing what he likes. Why? God's the Lord, we're not. He's the one that died on the cross, we didn't. But because he did, we can identify with his death and resurrection, amen? Hallelujah, okay. Okay. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to what? Uh oh. That you may observe to do. See, I told you it was a small principle, but it's a powerful principle. Do. Do the right thing. What do married couples say when they enter into a marriage covenant? I do. You are saying that I'm going to do what I just said. And when you don't do what you said you were going to do, trouble happens. Am I right about it? Yeah. He told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You should meditate, meditate in it day and night. Study it. Read it. Confess it. That you may observe to do, to do the right thing, to do it God's way, to do God's will. Amen? Now notice, according to all that is written. Everybody say all. He told Joshua, the Bible's not a smorgasbord. You can't pick and choose. I like this, but I don't like this. No, you get it all. It's got to be all or nothing. Right? One little part is just as important as the big part. Right? You've got to do all the words, even the word you don't like. That's the Brussels sprouts and the broccoli that your spirit needs to eat or the asparagus, or whatever. Now notice this. Notice what then he said. For then, everybody say then. This is after you're speaking the word, after you're studying the word, after you're observing it to do it, then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Doing God's word is the key to success. What was Joshua assigned to do? He was assigned to take over the promised land that was given, and he was assigned to distribute the inheritance to the Israelites. He was going to need success. When you're you're going to go up against kings, you're going to need success, right? God gave Joshua the key to his success. Meditate the word. Speak the word. Do the word. Then... You'll, have, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. you got to be a doer. Say, I'm a doer. All right? Go to Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29, Joshua's neighbor. And look at this. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 9. Glory to God. All, all the Lord gave me for this message was the title "Do the Right Thing," there you go. and then I had to do the legwork. I, right I had to do the right thing. There you go. Right, um, Deuteronomy twenty nine nine. Here is what it says: Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and what. Everybody say, do them. Is that Bible? That's written for eternity. That's God talking. God is telling us, do them. All right? Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. How many want to prosper? But it comes with doing what God said. You know, um, I know that God... Has a plan for every person that he has created. And when I was a young man, I knew that God had a plan, but I didn't know what that plan was. So I took some time and I went on a lot of prayer walks. I'd actually go to work, leave my car there, and walk home because I I was close enough where I could do it, it was like several blocks. And I would, this was my prayer I said, Lord, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to be, I'll be. I had no preconceived ideas. I didn't tell God what I thought he should make me. I didn't tell God where I thought he should send me. Send me to the Bahamas, you know. And so I prayed that prayer. And I prayed that prayer. And then God spoke. And you know what? He told me something to do. He said, go to Rama." At that point, I already told God, I'll do what you tell me to do. So the next thing is, okay, this is what I'm telling you. So then I asked. He told me Then now what? Now I got to do it. I got to fill out the application. I've got to go. So I did. I, I got an application. I started filling it out. I sent it away. And I said, Lord, I said, now, I know that I heard your voice. I would just like for you to confirm what you're telling me, okay? I already took action to do it, all right? Now I'm asking the Lord to confirm it. So I visited a friend of mine, and the church that I was attending at that time, they started several other churches, and they had a church 20 miles away. And so my friend lived there. And he went to that church, so I was visiting him, spent the night there, and went to church in the morning. And I'm in a church that I had never been, with people that I didn't know, and this person came up. I went up for prayer. It just so happened the pastor was preaching on peace that day. And I went up for prayer, and I'm standing in the line, and someone who I'd never met before, he comes up to me just like this. He tilts his head and he points and he says, you look like you're a candidate for Rhema. And when he said that, I busted out laughing. Why? I heard God's voice. And God gave me an instruction and I was starting to fulfill that. And I did what God said for me to do. I didn't say, God, why do I need to go there? I didn't need to know why. I just needed to know where I needed to go. God said go, my responsibility is to go, to do what he said to do. That's, what it, that's how easy it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, that neighbor, I, I get ticked off of that neighbor. That, love your neighbor as yourself. I don't want to, but you got to because he said it. Give and it shall be given. I don't want to give, but God said give. You ought to do what the word says do in giving. There's no argument. God said, give, give. God said, give a tithe, you give a tithe. Anything above a tithe is an offering. I didn't say it, God said it. Go to Genesis 4. This is a little side note, won't charge anything extra for it. It's included in the promise. Hallelujah. I'm leaving for three weeks, so I'm good. (laughs) Dr. Fielder will take care of anything. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's okay to have fun, right? Christians were not made into sourpusses. They were made into joy containers. And that joy was meant to let out, not to contain. That joy was meant to share and to spread, not to keep to yourself. So in Genesis 4, twin brothers brought an offering to God. Let me just read this. Um, Verse 3, Genesis 4, verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Can you see the difference? One just picked up anything that they had, but another one took time to get the best and the fattest, the plumpest. Plumpiest, right? Plumpiest. And the Lord respect, respected Abel and his offering. Why? He, did, he gave the way God wanted someone to give. When you give something to God, give your best. You don't just give leftovers to God. Aren't you glad that Jesus wasn't a leftover? Well, I got some salvation laying around here. Why don't you go ahead and have this? No. He gave his one and only begotten son. God didn't have other sons. He had one. And he gave that son to the world. He gave the very best that he had. So we know from God, God's the giver of good things. Okay. Okay. So, uh, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. <laughs> you know when someone's when their countenance falls, right? They have a certain look about them, okay. But this was not the end. All right. Uh, verse seven, or verse six. The Lord said to Cain, "Why are you angry?" And why has your countenance fallen if you do what? If you do well or if you do right. Everybody say if. If. Whose decision was it to do right in that situation? Cain had full control on how he responded to what God said. God doesn't make you do what he says. He gives you the opportunity to do what he says. God will not override your will. If you say God no... Then he won't make you do it. But you may not like the consequences for your choice to say no. Okay? If you do well, will you not be accepted? God gave Cain a chance. He gave him an opportunity to, he gave him a redo. This is the thing about God. When you do something that's not right in God's side and he tells you about it, you get a do over. You get to do it again. Even if you messed up royally. Even if you messed up bad, you can do it again. Amen? Samson messed up royally, but his hair grew back. He got to do it again. One last time, he got to do it again. Amen? Amen. You have not fallen so far from God that you can't do it again. He said... But if not, see God lays it out both sides. If you do well, you'll be accepted. But if you don't do well, sin lies at the door, and it's uh, sin is crouching at the door, and its desires for you. But you should rule over it. So that was the that was the choice that Cain had. Do what's right, you'll be accepted. But if not, there's consequences for your rejection and doing it another way other than God's way, right? And how many know Cain Cain rejected the opportunity, and he went and talked with his brother and killed his brother. He couldn't get over the anger and the rage and the bitterness and the rejection that he experienced, and so he took it out on Abel and killed him. All right. Go to the book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1. He's a neighbor to Hebrews. James likes to hang out with the coffee maker. (laughs) Hallelujah. James chapter 1 verse 19. James 1.19. So then, my beloved brethren, you know, God thinks every time he thinks of you, he thinks of his beloved. He said, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. <laughs> it tells me if, you're, if you take time to formulate your thoughts you'll be less angry. Amen? But if you just spew whatever comes to your mind initially, you'll be quick to wrath. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You want to be like molasses when it comes to getting to wrath. Okay? All right? Verse 20, For the wrath of man does not produce righteousness of God. The wrath of man... Be angry and sin not. Don't let your anger become a sin. Don't let it overtake you. All right, verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Everybody say, lay it it aside. Lay it aside. All right. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. You've got to lay filthiness aside and receive the word. You've got to receive something different, okay? Verse 22. But... Be doers. You can't just receive it. you got to do it. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Who is the deceiver? The devil's the deceiver. But if you don't do what you hear, you're deceiving yourself. You take the devil's job. Which is worse, to be deceived by the devil or to be self-deceived? Because if you're self-deceived, you've got nobody to blame. The devil made me do it. No, you did it. (laughs) Self-deceived. That's a person who doesn't know what's right. They're trying to figure it out on their own. But be doers of the word. Not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Verse twenty. for anyone, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately, everybody say immediately, immediately. forgets what kind of man he was. If you're, <laughs> If you're inclined to compromise... You could sit in a church just like this. You could hear the Word of God, but then forget what you hear and compromise. You don't want to be a forgetful hearer. If you, if, how many of you, if you forgot your keys today, how many of you would have made it here? And you only have one set of keys. Right? See, when you forget things, you can't use things. If you forget what kind of man you are, then anything can come your way and uh, and lead you astray. But you know what kind of man I am? I'm a Jesus man. I'm a faith man. I'm a Bible man. I'm a righteous man. I'm a holy man. You could say the same thing. That's not just for preachers. Say, I'm a faithful person. Say, I'm a righteous person. I'm a holy person. Yeah, you, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's who we are. We can't forget who we are. How do we not forget who we are? Because I'm continuing. Oh, guess what? This is the mirror, by the way. Because we want to reflect Jesus, not ourselves. We want to be conformed to his image, not someone else's image. All right? For he observes himself uh, and goes away, verse 24, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Verse 25, but he who looks... Into the perfect law of liberty. Isn't that what he told Joshua? Observe to do. you got to look into the the perfect law of liberty. This is the perfect book of freedom. The perfect law of liberty. Perfect book of freedom right here. You can be freer than you ever imagined by this book. And you know what? At this church, we do things by the book. Not the book of legalism, but the book of the Word of God. We don't do it based on man's idea or man's program. We do it by the Spirit of God. Amen? Like I said, I didn't know what I was going to preach. And I said, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? And then he shows me what he wants to say. I said, okay. Then I, then, then I say what he says. Because if I'm not saying what he's saying, then it's just vain. There's no power there. But if I'm saying what he's saying, then it's going to the hearts. But he who looks to the perfect law of liberty and continues in there. but say, continue. Notice you can't just look. Oh, yeah, I looked at the Bible 20 years ago. Have you looked again? No. Then you're not continuing. You're discontinuing. You know, if you sign up for a membership, but your membership has been discontinued, that means you're no longer a member. That means you don't have access to the benefits. You've been discontinued. Continues in it and is not a forgetful, uh, not forgetful here, but a doer of the work. Say a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Only doers are blessed. Hearers have to combine hearing and doing to be blessed. Oh, I I came to VCF and I heard a great message. I'm blessed. No, you're only halfway there. What are you doing with what you heard? Then you're blessed. Only the doers are blessed. You could be a hearer. And a hearer, and a hearer, oh, I'm a hearer, I'm a hearer, I'm a hearer, I'm a hearer. But when you do it, then become a hero. If you don't do it, you're a hearer, but if you do it, you become a hero. That just came to me right then, because I wrote a book about heroes. Hallelujah. Okay. All right, let's look at another one. Small principle, doer, big impact on your life. All right. Uh... Go to um, Matthew chapter 7. Now, let me define the word doer. James says, be a doer. What's a doer? A doer is a maker, a poet. Praise God. When I was a rapper, I was a doer. I I was a poet. Yeah, back in the 80s, I I rapped. But I'm only a one-hit wonder. I only have one rap that I wrote. 'Cause I never pursued it. It wasn't my it was just for fun, amen. I yeah, I mean I had the parachute pants, I had the shiny shoes. <laughs> I did. I, I, I taught myself how to break dance. There were back in the eighties there were these movies called Breakin'. And Beat Street. I watched those things. I went to uh, the, the, the VHS, right? I played that VHS about fifteen times until I could learn some of the moves. I taught myself how to break dance.
2: <laughs>
1: give you a little robot, you know? It's <laughs> up there. All right. Back to the word. Back to the word. So one of the definitions of a doer is a poet, a carrier out. You carry things out. A performer, a producer, an author. One who obeys or fulfills the law. That's a doer. When God says a doer, that's what he's talking about. All right? You're a law-abiding citizen. Oh, but yeah, we're not under the law anymore. Did you know that God took the laws of the Old Testament and made them into two? Love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And there's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There's still laws in the New Testament that we need to follow. Amen? All right. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. I'm even going to get you out early today. Oh, good. I didn't hear any amens. That means I can keep going. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm having fun today. Because eh? I'm leaving on a jet plane. <laughs> but I know when I'll be back again. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's amazing the things that go through one's mind <laughs> at different times. Matthew chapter 7 and 21. Matthew seven twenty-one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who confesses, Lord, notice, now this is Jesus talking in, does Jesus know what he's talking about? Yes, he's the absolute truth. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. How do you enter the kingdom of heaven? Is it just by saying, or how, how do you enter? By believing and saying. Notice he doesn't, he's not talking about believing, all right? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who, what? Does the will of who? My Father where? Isn't it awesome how we can do God's will who's in heaven here on earth? We can have heaven on earth. How do we have heaven on earth? Do what God says. Whenever he says it. Amen? That means... Throughout your day, you got to be listening to what he's saying. It doesn't matter if you're working or retired. You've got to be listening to what God's saying. Why? He has a greater perspective on things than you do. He knows the end before the beginning. He knows how your day is going to work out. But we got to listen to him so that we can do what he wants us to do at any given moment. Say, I'm a ready and willing listener of God's voice. Okay? So only those who do the will of my Father in heaven will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Did you know that in this church? We believe in casting out devils. Yeah. We believe in prophesying. Yeah. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you could come and you could be part of that. Yeah. I, oh, I went to church today and I heard uh, tongues and interpretation. Yeah. But do you know the Lord? Do you have a personal relationship with Him? Do you talk with Him? Is He close to you? Or is He like a distant cousin you've never met? You got to have a relationship with the Lord. How do we have a relationship with the Lord? Right here, the book, and conversation with Him face to face, one on one. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Uh, go to First uh, John chapter two. First John chapter two, and look at verse sixteen. First John chapter 2 and verse 16. Well, um, let's just back up to verse 15, First John 2:15. "Do not love the world or the things in the world. Is he talking about people? No because God loved the world right he 's talking about the the way the world does things he 's talking about uh, what the world values you know he 's talking about uh, the system of the world okay don 't love the world don 't love the world 's system or the things in the world notice he 's not addressing people. we should love people because that 's an established fact. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, some people, they check with the world of what they want to do, what they want to be, where they want to go. That's their influence. That's their, their, uh, their, their driving thought, right? Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. Say it's not of the Father. Okay? Okay. Verse 17, and the world is passing away, we know that, it's passing away, and has nothing to do with uh, uh, the climate. (laughs) Climate change is a religious cult, because God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth anyway, so it doesn't matter. Listen, man didn't create the planet, man can't destroy it. Anyway, that's another subject. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who what? Does what? The will of whom? What happens to him? How many want to abide forever? Then do God's will. How do I find God's will? Ask him. He'll tell you. Right? So God, doing God's will is eternal. Even if the rest of the world doesn't understand our motivation, we can still do what's right in God's sight. Amen? Would you be willing to stand alone? If you're the only one that decides, I'm going to do what's right, would you be willing to stand alone? How many other believers were there in Egypt when Joseph was there? Zero. How many believers were in Egypt when Joseph was there? One. Everybody say one. Can one make a difference? One who doesn't compromise. One who does what's right in God's sight. He was tempted to sleep with a woman, and the woman kept pressuring him day after day, but he said, how could I do this thing in God's sight? or against God. He he knew that God could see what he was doing. He knew that God knew how he lived and he wasn't going to violate his relationship with God no matter how much pressure was put upon him because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We got a strength that's greater than the pressure of the world that the enemy can put on you. We got the Holy Ghost. And you could be one and you could get to the top. Amen. Because when you're with Jesus, you're not just one. You're four. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you. (laughs) That's four, amen? Okay. One more. Mm. Hallelujah. Go to James 4. And then we're finished for today. James 4. And uh, let's look at verse 11, James 4, verse 11. Listen to this carefully. Do not speak evil of one another. If you're talking evil about your brother or sister, I'm going to be gentle, be quiet. (laughs) Hold your peace. What did the Bible say? Do not speak evil of one another. So guess what? Because God said it now, I got to do it. When you feel tempted to speak evil, I got to go see (laughs) you. Aren't there things that you can do to not... Who controls your mouth? I don't control your mouth. No one else controls your mouth. Only you can control your mouth. You know, like... uh, Smokey the bear. Only you can prevent forest fires. (laughs) You control your mouth. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Okay? But what if they messed up? Love covers a multitude of sins. Show them love. You don't have to expose their fault to everybody. Like you've never missed the mark. Like you've never made a mistake. Okay? Ooh, now we're hitting somewhere. (laughs) He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Not, Not one person is qualified to judge the law. Only God, only Jesus himself. Okay? I have to give you this in context. But if you judge the law, what? You are not a doer. Of the law. If you are putting yourself to judge how a person expresses themselves in their relationship with God, you're not a doer of the law. If you want to judge someone by how they receive from God, you know, oh, I can't believe that they did that. You're not a doer of the law. If you sit in a place of judgment of the law, you're not doing the law. Okay? And, uh, all right? But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Here is, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? And I'll, I'll finish with this because it just was brought to my mind. Do you remember um, when uh, the Israelites, they lost the ark to the Philistines? And uh, the Philistines had this ark, Right? which represented the presence of God. And they put it in their temple of Dagon, an idol. And they went to the next morning, and Dagon was falling on his face in front of the ark. So they picked up and dusted off their god. <laughs> you know, if you've got to pick up and dust off your god, there's some problems. <laughs> and so they put him back, you know, right? And the next day, his head and hands were cut off. And they're like, there's something to this ark right here. Right? Poor little Dagon couldn't defend himself. He can't speak either. Can't walk either. you got to prop him up. Which is worse? you worshiping that or that idol. Let me just prop up my God so I get a different God. Get a real God. Amen? One who talks and walks and has life. His name is Jesus. So they said, we got to get rid of this ark, right? We can't have it here. And uh so they, too, they took two young calves that were still milking. They were still nursing on their mama cow, right? And they tied these two cows uh, who were still nursing to this cart, and they put uh, the ark in there. They put offering of, of gold, uh what was it, uh tumors and rats, you know? Yeah, because that's. That's what happened. The plague came into the Philistines, tumors and rats. And uh, anyway, so they, they offered that. They, and the cows were, were lowing as they go. They were going, because, you know, they're still milking on their mama. And they're, now they're tied to this cart. So they take this cart, right? It gets back to the Philistines. I mean, it gets back to Israel. And uh, it's, uh, so David, he, first of all, he does the religious way of bringing in the ark. Right? First of all, he puts the ark on a cart. Number one, wrong, say that's wrong. Because the Bible says the ark was supposed to be carried on the shoulders of the Kohathites. It was never ever to be transported in a cart. It was to be carried. How many know when you don't do what God says, negative consequences occur? So, they were bringing the ark back on a cart. David had all this pomp and circumstance, right? All dressed in royal apparel. And, and everybody's going, yes and amen. You know when you get your religious voice, right? And the, the cart started to fall. I mean, the ark started to fall off the cart. And someone reached out to, to, so it wouldn't tip over. And they were zapped and dropped dead right there. Because no one could touch the ark they had to carry it on poles. Even the high priest couldn't touch the ark. He would go in there once a year on the Day of Atonement and make an offering, but you just couldn't touch it. Why? That's what God said. Just do what's right in his sight. So David was upset that this person died, and he's bringing in the ark. Then they leave the ark in Obed-Edom's house, right? And Obed-Edom... He's getting blessed because he's got the presence of God in his house. Something about letting the presence of God come in your house. It brings blessing. It brings good things. And it was there for several months. And David, he, find, he repented about doing things his way. How he thought they should be done. And now he's going to bring the ark God's way. Say amen, David. Now you're getting a clue. Right? So he brings the ark in, they're carrying it on the shoulders, and every thousand steps, David takes a moment. He's offering sacrifices. He's praising God. He gets so excited, he starts dancing, jumping around, spinning around wildly. Well, he's dressed in a one-piece garment, and when you dance like that, that garment flies out. Right? So David, I mean, he's just worshiping God. Because David was, he was an electric guitarist. I mean, he, you know, he, he'd be out there watching the sheep playing, Aah! playing on that harp or whatever. You know, he was jamming. Oh, by the way, this is just a side note. If, if you like ro- rock music, I found a scripture. Th- they said, uh, uh, the, the prophet asked for the music to play wildly. I went to Pastor Nelson because, you know, we're both Striper fans. I said, Pastor Nelson, we got a scripture for what we do. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, that's just a little side note. So so David, man, he's there dancing before the Lord. The presence of God is moving. And his wife, Michael, which was Saul's daughter, she's sitting in the palace watching David worship. And so they get to the ark, where David made a tent for it, you know, where he brought it back to Jerusalem or whatever. And uh, so he goes to his wife, and he's like, hey, honey, we got the ark in. No one died, praise God. And, And she's got this look on her face. And David said, what's up? She said, how dare the king worship that way? She's judging the way he worshiped. She put herself in pla- She's not even grateful that she- he's praising God. I mean, if you got a guy that praises God, you ought to be excited about it. <laughs> amen? Yeah, amen? So she judges David's worship. What happens? She becomes barren the rest of her days. Because she put herself in a position to judge someone else's relationship with God. Sometimes we have wild things happen here. People laugh. People fall down. But, you know, when you come in contact with the power, you don't know what's going to happen. But don't criticize what someone hap- how, how someone else responds. You just take care of you. Yes. Amen? Because if you're judging the law, you're not doing the law. So if, so if, you're, if you're judging someone else's response, how come you're not responding? Right. How come you're not yielding? You're looking at the wrong thing. Right. You need to yield to God. Close your eyes if you have to, right? Just look up, amen? But, but don't judge another person and how they respond to God. But we need to be doers of the word, amen? That's the key to success. That's the key to an abundant life. It's simple, but it's profound. It's small, but it has a great impact on your life. Be a doer of the word. Do what is right in his sight. How many are committed to doing what's right? In his sight. Amen. So that means when God tells you to change this. You know God, you know, God will talk to you and say yeah. I've notice that you need to change this. So what do you need to do? Pray about it? No. <laughs> Write an essay about it? No. You need to change. You need to do what he said. Amen. Once God says it. That's all you need to know. If he says it. I believe it. That settles it. It's done. You start doing what he said. You make the change whatever, however you need to do it. Amen? Yeah. You just do what he says. Be, do, be a doer of the word. That's what I want to get across you. Do the right thing. And the only right thing is God's thing. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. There's nobody else that can ma- have a standard of righteousness other than God. Yeah. You will get in trouble if you use something else or someone else as a standard for doing right. Yeah. Yeah. Only God can determine what's right. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Praise God. Oh, glory to God. We thank you for your presence in this place, Father. We give you thanks and praise. You know, God believes in the laying on of hands. He said, as believers, he said, if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I believe with all my heart that when I lay hands on a sick person, that that person recovers in the name of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you just need to... um, Come a little closer to Jesus. You've just been hanging around the fringes, but it's time for you to come where the fire is, to come and get warmed up. Amen? And if you need to draw closer to Jesus, that's an opportunity for you today to come. If you need to be healed in your body today, that's an opportunity for you to come and receive from God. If you uh, need to know Jesus as Savior, that's an opportunity for you to come and to know him if you need to be filled with the holy spirit it's an opportunity for you to come and receive the power of god amen so if you need to be healed if you need to uh, come closer to jesus if you need to be filled with the holy spirit uh, or anything else that i said just come right now in the name of jesus i believe that god's power is here he's working and he's moving hallelujah I communicated what he told me to say. And then he does the heavy lifting. He does the heavy lifting. You need to be healed, filled with the Holy Spirit, closer to God. Just come. And we'll pray for you.